Our epistle lesson comes from Paul's letter to the Romans, the fifth chapter, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been made righteous through his faithfulness, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have access by faith into this grace in which we stand through him, and we boast in the hope of God's glory. But not only that, we even take pride in our problems because we know that trouble produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. This hope doesn't put us to shame because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The Sunday following Pentecost Sunday in the lectionary is always Trinity Sunday. It is the only Sunday in the church year dedicated to a doctrine rather than a biblical event um, or season or something like that. It is the bane of preachers everywhere who preach the lectionary. <laughs> um, I, I saw on Facebook a, a recommendation that, that if you wanted to avoid preaching heresy on Trinity Sunday, that the thing to do is to show your people pictures of cute kittens instead. It, it's almost impossible. Anybody who, let me, put, let me rephrase this, anybody who tells you that they can explain the Trinity perfectly is lying to you. It can't be done. We have analogies. There are some people who like the water analogy. Water exists in three states. Ice, water, and steam. But it's all water. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but it's all God. The, the problem is it breaks down. I've never seen water simultaneously be ice and liquid and steam all at the exact same time. It'll do one or the other, but it doesn't do it all at once. Same thing with the egg. You know, there, there's the shell and the white and the yolk. And again, not, not a bad parallel, except for the fact that there are three separate things. And, and God is not three, we don't worship three different gods. This was one of the early, early divisions between us and the Jews. We said, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God. And the Jews looked at us and said, Father, Son, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you got three gods. Not one God, three gods. And we're like, no, 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 no. One God, three persons, one God. And it, it, it wound up, it was part of what split us eventually from the Jewish people. So the Trinity is, it's a hard thing to grasp hold of. Um, and what I want to do today is rather than trying to focus on the doctrine of the Trinity and trying to come up with some sort of fancy explanation that I can't do anyway, I want to talk about how the, Holy, how the Trinity functions in our lives. And I want to go back to what we were talking about before I missed last Sunday and talk about things that I'd like to leave y'all with. We've talked about love. We've talked about peace. And we've talked about unity. And this morning we're going to add hope to the, the, the box of, of things I, I would like to leave y'all with before I go. Because hope is important. Hope is so important that 
even in the ancient world, they knew that human beings needed to hope in something in order to survive. You may be familiar with the Greek myth of Pandora. Pandora was given a box, told to hold the box, told not to open the box. What does Pandora do? Any of you who have had two-year-olds know exactly what Pandora did. Pandora opened the box. And all kinds of evil and illness and, and terrible things come flying out of the box and are let loose on the earth. And Pandora looks down in the box. There's one thing left in the box. Hope. Hope remains even when everything else is gone. And Paul knew this. And it's part of what Paul is writing to the Romans about. Romans is kind of an interesting letter of Paul's, and if we had more time, it would be well worth doing a Bible study on. Um, Romans is a letter that Paul wrote to a church he did not found. Corinthians, Thessalonians, Philippians, he started those churches. So when he writes to them, he writes to them as their founding pastor. The Romans, that community started independent of Paul. And so Paul is writing to them to encourage them, to clear up some theological points, and to give them some information. So it's a very, the letter to Romans is much more theological. First Corinthians, very, very practical. How do you act at communion? How do you get along with each other? What do you do with people who aren't doing what they're supposed to do in the church? Very, very practical concerns. Romans is much more theological. How do we trust in God? What do we do when bad things happen? How do we make sense of the suffering that we see around us? Because Paul is, in, in essence, writing the Romans a, a, a short textbook of the, theology. Remember that there are no Gospels yet. Paul can't tell them, hey, y'all go read in Matthew where, where Jesus talks about the, the Sermon on the Mount and blessed are the poor. It doesn't exist. Paul's writing before the Gospels have gotten written down. Our New Testament, even though our New Testament is arranged with the Gospels first and the letters second, and it makes narrative sense, that's not the order in which those documents came into being. Paul's letters were written before most of the Gospels were written. So Paul has to, Paul is essentially creating something out of nothing. And he's trying to give these folks some encouragement. And clearly these folks know what it is to suffer. They are, they're in Rome. They are in the, the seat of persecution. The Roman government allows limited freedom for worship. They don't, depending on who the emperor is, they don't mind persecuting Christians. So it's not going to be easy. And so Paul writes to them that, look, you know, we, we take pride in our problems. I think other translations put it as we rejoice in our sufferings. Paul doesn't worry about it when the going gets rough. Because he knows that God's got something better in store. He says, we take pride in our problems because we know that trouble produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. 
and hope doesn't disappoint. My dad is like a lot of, of dads, I think. Um, my, my dad had, as I was growing up, probably half a dozen or so sayings that he would repeat to us on a regular basis. One of his favorites, when things were going wrong, builds character. You got into a fuss with a friend at school, builds character. You got into chores you don't want to do, builds character. I was shocked when I finally, I was probably in college when I was reading Romans for the first time and, and really reading it and got to this passage and was floored to find out that Bill's character is actually in the Bible. I'm like, no! <laughs> you mean he was right all these years? <laughs> but it does. You know, it, it, is, it is a truth that we grow more from the situations that are difficult than we ever do when things are easy. And it's kind of the same, those of you who, who have exercised some will we'll know that, I, 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 not that I do a lot of exercise, but I've done just enough to figure out a few things, that sitting on the couch is nice and easy and comfortable. It does not build muscle. The way you build muscle is to move your body and to move your arms and move your legs and maybe even get a, a weight or something, put some resistance to make it harder to move your arm. You have to, your, your muscles aren't gonna, aren't gonna grow, they're not gonna get stronger if everything's easy for them. You have to make them work. And in some senses, that's true for our souls as well. We're not gonna grow and mature as Christians if everything is always easy for us. And the fact of the matter is, y'all, in this life, it isn't always gonna be easy for us. I don't care who you are, I don't care where you're from, where you've been, where you're going, it isn't always gonna be easy for us. Stuff happens. It just does. Some of it we bring on ourselves, some of it just happens to us. We're gonna suffer. We're gonna have hard times. It's never gonna be easy all the time. The question isn't, are bad times gonna come? The question is, how am I gonna react? How am I gonna to respond to the bad things that do happen? There you've got a choice. We don't always have a choice when bad things happen. If you get a, a dread diagnosis, you got no choice in that. You know, even if you made health decisions earlier on that led to that bad diagnosis, doesn't matter at that point, it's done. How are you gonna respond to it? You've gotten into a fight with your spouse. Maybe they said something hurtful to you. What are you gonna do about it? You have a choice. Are you gonna blast them like you'd like to? Or are you gonna calm down, remember why you love them, and try to be the bigger person? We don't have a choice in suffering, but we have a choice in how we respond, and we're able to respond better to suffering if we can remember this chain that Paul gives us. That it's okay, that even when we suffer, it's okay because God can bring something good out of it. God can build our character. 
God can make us a better person through what we've been through. God can build our God can build our character. God gives us endurance. You know, you don't know what you can go through until you have to go through it. You don't know what you can handle until you have to go through it. And sometimes God, don't give me that God doesn't give us more than we can handle. That's a lie. God gives us more than we can handle on a regular basis. Because God wants us to rely on him. It's not about us. But when we have those things that we can't handle on our own and we have to turn to God, that helps us to develop endurance, which helps us to develop character, which helps us develop hope. And that hope is something that we can take to our graves because we know who wins. If the resurrection tells us nothing else, the resurrection tells us that evil doesn't get the last word. Hope wins. Love wins. Peace wins. Unity wins. God wins. And we win when we're with God. So my word to you this morning is to hold on to hope. Tuck it safe in your bag. Carry it with you. Hope for your future as a church. Hope for your future as individuals. And hope for your relationship with your new pastor. I got to spend some time with Beth last week and had a great conversation with her. Um, she, she's a neat, neat person. Y'all are in such good hands. I, I am so... I, I really, really, really felt horrible about leaving y'all. I've been at Trinity for six years. It was time for, Trinity was time. It was time to go. Y'all, it was not time to go, and I hated to leave y'all. But y'all, I feel so, so good about who's coming behind me. Y'all are going to have such a good time with Beth. Um, and, and you're going to learn from her. You're going to grow with her. She's got, she's got a whole different set of experiences than I do. A um, whole different toolkit. So y'all get to know her. And, and so I have hope for y'all. I have hope that God's going to keep you on this good road he's got you on right now. And that God's got great things in store for this church. And that is my hope for y'all. And, and I hope that you have that hope for each other and for this church. Amen.